in Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter number 4. And we're going to look at, we're going to look at verse 23, but turn over to Proverbs chapter number 4. Once again, we've been talking about the five elements of faith, which are hearing, receiving, believing, speaking, and acting. Hearing, receiving, believing, speaking, and acting. And we spend a lot of time talking about hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But we've also indicated that the next area, once you've heard the word, is you've got to receive it, which means, again, you've got to take it. It means to lay hold. It means to claim. It means to gain, to get. It means to take possession. To take possession of the word is what it means to receive. I am no longer looking at it as an abstract thought or concept. I am taking this as this is the word of God to me. To receive it means I am taking it personally. I am possessing it. I am. It's mine. And this is the next element of faith that we have to understand that we have to employ within our life is this area of receiving. Now, we've talked uh, about this to any length of time about the different components of what it means to receive. But in this section of our teaching, we've been looking at this area of reasons why people fail to receive. Reasons why people fail to receive. And specifically, we have talked about Christian people, why Christian people, born again folks, fail to receive. Because we understand why people in the world fail to receive. Well, you have a heart of stone and not a heart of flesh. But the day you get born again, he, the Spirit of God comes in on the inside of you. You have a heart that's connected to him. And we have to look at the areas of why is it that some Christians fail to receive. And so we looked at this first area of this area of Tiredness. One of the reasons why people fail to receive is because of tiredness. It can be natural tiredness or spiritual tiredness. This is one of the reasons why that, you know, uh, some churches, they allow for people to rotate off from working because you need a time where you can sit down. You start looking at church as another platform for you to work, you can get tired and you can become more like a Mary and not a Martha so that you're working in the kitchen that you forget the purpose of the kitchen even being in place to serve people. So you need to sit down, be like Mary at the feet of Christ and receive from him. And a lot of times that's one of the reasons why people do not receive from God is because they are just naturally or spiritually tired. God's solution for this is found in Matthew 11, verse 28, where he says, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And he says, I will give you rest. He says the solution for spiritual tiredness is for you to have a routine connection with him. This is how you stay fresh. This is what keeps you in the posture in the position of receiving. Now, we've indicated to you the next area is this area of unforgiveness. The second reason why people, Christian people, fail to receive is because of unforgiveness. Harboring unforgiveness in your heart will disconnect you from your ability to receive from God. And we've indicated to you God's solution is found in Mark 11, 25, where he says, if you have anything against anyone, drop the issue. Let it go. Do not, in in this sense, harbor unforgiveness in your heart because it will stop your connection from receiving from God. Third area that we've indicated to you about 
reasons why people fail to receive is because of an area of unbelief. You believe this. Well, God says that. You're going to have to make a determination that you're going to repent from what you used to believe to receive what he is telling you it is. And it requires an act of your will to purposely do this. It is not something that happens automatically. I choose to repent or change my thinking from thinking this way to embrace this. God, you said this, you said operate in love. Well, my flesh says operate in, you remember what they did in keeping the list? He says, I want you to choose to believe that my ways are greater than your flesh. Unbelief is an issue that keeps people from receiving. He says, my solution for this is found over in uh, Mark chapter uh, 6 and verse 6 through 7, where Jesus went to his hometown and they had a different perspective about him than everyone else. He could only do certain amount of things within his hometown of Nazareth because of their unbelief. And his solution for that was teaching the word of God. Where people start, where they don't believe the word, they don't believe what God says. The way that you begin to deal with that is to teach the word of God. The teaching of the word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. As the teaching of the word of God goes forth, the ability to believe God is, in fact, in the house. Now, number four, we've said that four reasons why people fail to receive is because of a hardened or a dull or stubborn heart. A hardened heart or a stubborn or dull heart, which is a heart that does not consider what God has already done in their life. And we've indicated that God's solution for that is to consider everything that God has already done. Not just the spectacular, but everything that he's already done. Anytime when God calls you to an area of faith, he's already done certain things in your life so that you know that you have the ability to believe him for the next thing that he's telling you to believe for. Now, we, this brings us to number five. <clears throat> number five, the fifth reason why Christian people do not receive is because of this area of offense. The area of offense. Now, We've said in the past that offense essentially is an annoyance or resentment brought about by a perceived insult. O offense is to be upset. It is to be hurt. It is a feelings of your emotions of being upset or hurt. It is to become angry or upset by something that another person or another entity has done to you. It is a disregard of, or of one's standards or principles. When you offend me, you've hit me emotionally. And this is one of the reasons why people fail to receive from God is because of an area of offense. Offense, or the word offend literally means the wound of feelings. It means to give displeasure. It means to hit, to attack, to injure. It means to sin against. We understand that, you know, when, when you are someone in society and you break the law, they say, well, you have an offense against society or offense against the laws. It means you've missed the mark. It means that in a spiritual context, it means to sin. In a communal context, it means you sinned against the community based on the laws that we've instituted. And so these areas of offense, we have to look at both from 
the idea of what it means to deal with human relationships, but the deeper of what it means in regards to God. And so we've indicated to you that over in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11, that offense can be chosen or it can be overlooked. It can be chosen or it can be overlooked. And then um, we looked at the response to offense should be found over in James 1 and verse 19, where he says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Let's look at that, in fact. Let's look at that one more time. James, I know it's that Proverbs. James chapter 1 and verse 7, 19. James chapter 1 and verse number 19. This is the response that we should have when it comes to offense. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't meet with the person or try to rectify the issue. We are talking in terms of how it is impacting your heart, particularly in terms of human relationship. Your response to offense should be found in James chapter 1, verse 19. Look at this out of the King James. He says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be, notice he says, swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Verse 20. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Now, notice the list again. Verse number 19. He says, be swift to hear. Slow to speak and slow to wrath. What a lot of people do is we invert that and we say what he said was be slow to hear, swift to speak, and swift to wrath. He gives you two slows and one swift. But when we invert it, that's where you are working the wrath of man and not the righteousness of God. He's saying slow to hear. In other words, Swift, rather, to hear or comprehend or understand. You know, when someone is emotionally dealing with you or hitting you or wanting to offend you, as you as the believer, it's up to you to be slow in your comprehension of the situation and the matter. I don't just fly off and react. Slow or swift to hear. Hearing encompasses both hearing what they are saying and hearing what God is telling you. And then he says, slow to speak. Well, my, my desire to understand the matter is going to slow my speech up if you really have that desire. So I slow in my verbiage. I don't quickly just say something. I don't quickly respond in wrath or vengeance or anger or indignation, which is what that word wrath literally is translated as. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, and if we do that, he says, we are therefore, if we can invert what we see in verse 20, then we're working the righteousness of God and not the righteousness or the wrath of man. Now, having said that, we need to turn and look at, once again, this area of what does it mean when you are offended with God? Because if you can be offended with man and God tells you that you can overlook the matter, then how much more so does it happen when we are operating in offense with God? The word offended literally means from the Greek translation to entrap. It means to trip up or stumble. It means to off-end you. 
So when we're talking in terms of being offended at God, we're talking about areas that trip you up, that cause you to stumble, areas that allow for you to be off-ended or offended, if you will. It is a heart that is offended with God is one that has known God intimately or in a level of intimacy. It is a situation in which you have a close relationship with God and there is a breach or a break because of this area of offense. And as we indicated to you on last Sunday, that there are two manifestations of offense with God. It's this area of disappointments and the other area of disillusionment. Disappointments and disillusionment are a manifestation of the fact that you have, have, or currently have an offense with God. Disappointments and disillusionment. The word disappointments, as we are defining, means a defeat or a failure of hope, a defeat or a failure of expectation. It is a manifestation of an offense with God that it is how it displays itself in our lives when we move into an area of being offended with God is that we have been disappointed with an issue. We looked at last week the story of John and we'll look at that again in just a moment. John is sitting in jail. He's eating jail food. John used to be out and about ministering the word of God. Now he finds himself entrapped. And he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask a question that he already knew the answer to. Are you the one or are we to look for another? What was John displaying? Jesus indicates what that display was. He says, blessed are those who are not offended in me. When you are in an issue that has disappointed you, you are seeing the manifestation of an area at times when you have been offended with God. Why is this happening to me? What's going on? The questioning that begins to happen. We've indicated to you a little bit <coughs> everywhere this morning. Certain areas that we can see in manifestation where disappointment is concerned that manifest in our lives that point back to the fact that we have disappointment. We said to you last week that one of the ways that we can see or symptoms of disappointment that's rooted in offense is, number one, this area of anger. Erratic or emotional behavior established within the embrace of carnality. When I'm embracing my carnality is because I'm showing that the deeper area is this deeper area of offense. You've offense, offended me, and I'm deciding that God, the way you're saying this is not working, and I'm going to do something else. Another symptom of offense rooted in disappointment is this area of complaining. There was a time where you found fulfillment in doing things God's way and his plans and his purposes. But what happens is when you are little by little starting to complain, you got to look at what's going on. Why am I disappointed in this area? Why is this in manifestation? Why do I have this symptom? It's because you have a symptom of a deeper area of offense, which manifesting in disappointment, and now it's coming out of your mouth as a complaint. The loss of fulfillment in God. Third symptom of a offense rooted in disappointment is a faithless questioning. 
It is what we see, in fact, with John. John sends a question that he knows the answer to. You the Christ, uh, we look for another. A faithless questioning is a result of the disappointment that was within him rooted in this area of offense. Fourth one we indicated was this area of discontentment, which is the birth of comparing or comparative behavior. When I am disappointed, what happens is I begin to look for things that I can reach for. And as I reach for these things, now I begin to compare myself and where I am with somebody else. It is a symptom of offense rooted within disappointment. We said the last one was resentment. Resentment, which is a persistent ill. Now, I said all of that in review to say this. <coughs> Disappointments or disillusionment can be, uh, if they cannot be allowed to see within your heart. Now that brings us to Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Are you with me? As we did a long review. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Notice what the scripture says here. The King James Version of the Bible says this, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. The New Living Translation says, guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. And we looked at the other scriptures that preceded. Verse 20 out of the New Living Translation says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep within your heart. Verse 22, for they bring life to those that find them and healing to their whole body. And then he says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Now notice what he says. Guard your heart is not God guard your heart. It is not that God will supernaturally do this for you. He says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. He's saying this is something you have to do. I have to guard what gets in here. God doesn't do this. He says, uh, what you should do is pay attention to what I say carefully to my words. He says, allow my words in and keep the world out. Guard your heart above all. Why? Because your heart makes the determinations for your life. What's on the inside of you comes out. He says it determines the course of your life. And so in this area distinctly of disappointments and disillusionment, we have to make sure that we do not allow disappointments and disillusionment to seed within our hearts. Because when we do this, what happens is an area of despair is the next level of manifestation that happens in our life. If I don't address the disappointments that I have with God, issues that I have within my life, and I let that seed on the inside of my heart, it's going to result in an area of despair. If I don't deal with an area of disillusionment, which is an area which I'm not spending as much time with. I'll deal with that more on Thursday, which is an area where I am in an environment where I didn't think it was going to be like this. 
Peter experiences this, where he's at outside of the temple and Jesus is on the inside and there. He's on trial and he's trying to figure out now how we get here. And during this time of disillusionment, what happens is he's challenged with his belief system. What I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get to that in just a sec. Or on Thursday. But what happens if I don't deal with this area of disappointment or disillusionment, it will produce despair. Well, what is despair? It is the complete loss or absence of hope. The complete loss or absence of hope. There are a lot of people that operate in this area of hopelessness. And what it is, is despair. You don't believe God will do this for you. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 verse 1 that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hope and faith, hope and evidence have to be in its proper seat in order for you to have Bible faith. So what the devil strategically does says, I'm not going to deal with the evidence of, they don't really know it. What I'm going to deal with is the hope, the spark to get you to this area of discovering the evidence. And if I can separate you from this then what will happen is you'll never operate in faith and you'll never see the manifestation of the things that God's intended for you to have. Despair is the complete loss of hope. Despair, uh, turn over to Psalms 27. We looked at this quite a bit this year, but let's look at this once again. Psalms 27. When we were talking about the big payback this year, we looked at this particular passage of scripture. Psalms 27, and let's look at verse number 13. Psalms 27 and verse number 13. You have it? Notice what it says here. The scripture says, I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He uses the word, I would have fainted, caved in, I would have quit, except I had a belief system that I would see the goodness of the Lord, not in heaven, but in the land of the living. Thank God that you'll see the goodness of the Lord in heaven, but David specifically was talking about down here on the earth. Now, the, uh, let's look at this in this translation, over in the New Living Translation, in fact, over in the Amplified Translation, let me show you this. This word faint also means exactly what is translated in the Amplified Version. It says, I would have despaired had I not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then he goes on to say, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. That's the Amplified Version. But verse 13 in the Amplified says, I would have, and he doesn't use the word faint. The translated word faint there also means despair. I would have, dare I say, completely lost hope except for something. But I believe that I would see. Well, believe means I had hope in not myself, but in God. He says, I would have completely lost my hope, but I decided I'm going to believe the Lord. Despair, if it's not a dealt with, 
if it's not addressed, becomes an area of apostasy. Apostasy. So let's back up and look at this again. So if I allow, let's use the one here, disappointment, the seed within my heart. Maybe I lost a job. Maybe I had this issue. Maybe that happened to me. Maybe my wife walked away. Maybe, maybe my money didn't work. Maybe, 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 maybe all these things happen. And if I don't deal with these areas of disappointment and I allow it to seed, it will become despair. When I allow despair to seed and take place and take root in my heart and don't give this out, it will become apostasy. I saw this this morning as I was thinking about these areas. I work in the country. And uh, every now and then you ride by somebody, you see a little, little, usually a little white lady outside gardening or something like that. They have the time in the day. And I've seen sometimes when a little white lady's on her hands and knees in their little garden bed and she's pulling up weeds out of her flower bed. And the reason why she's pulling up those weeds out of those flower beds is because she only wants the seeds for the flowers of the rose garden to come up. She doesn't want the weeds and everything to grow in the same garden. So it is in the natural, so it is in the spirit. You can have seeds of faith, the word of God, but if you don't uproot these areas of disappointment, areas of despair, if you allow that to grow together, it will cut off the nurturance going to the flower that you want. And so what happens once again is if we don't deal with disappointments, which is rooted in offense, then it produces despair. And if we don't deal with that, it becomes apostasy. Well, what is apostasy? It is the act of giving up beliefs. It is the abandonment of what one has professed. It is to voluntarily or conscientiously abandon faith. This is something that is is been prophesied will happen in these last days that you will see people walk away from faith. Be folks that you used to see in the choir. You be folks that you used to see do all kinds of things at church and a little by little by little by little they back away and not only do they back away which is level one but they get to level two where they say you don't need God. God ain't worth it. God ain't real. <laughs> totally abandoning their professed faith. This is a sign of apostasy, which is rooted in, a fence, in an offense with God. It is rooted in an offense with God. Turn over, well, for the sake of time. Let's look at, um, I want to show you this, and we get ready to close. I'm not going to be too long this morning. I want to show you, uh, since we don't have the slides, the graphics, what I define as the anatomy of apostasy. The anatomy of apostasy. And we want to concentrate, and I'll, again, I'll, I'll pick up on Thursday about uh, on these areas, but we want to concentrate between John and Peter. John and Peter are very interesting gentlemen because unlike all the other disciples, there's something that happens in Peter's life while Jesus is here that is distinctively different. John, on the other hand, is Jesus' physical cousin, but he was assigned to preach the coming of the Lord. And there are certain things that we need to see about their loss of faith and understand that there are connective points or connective tissues for when we see people operate in this area of apostasy. The first thing that we need to understand about John and Peter is that they were both people of leadership. 
individuals that uh, of influence and inspire inspiration to other folks. They, in other words, to inspire, they stimulated folks, they provoked them, they motivated, and they encouraged them. Matthew tells us that, and uh, uh, I've amplified in verse 1, it says, In those days John the Baptist appeared, preaching in the wilderness of Judea along the western side of the Dead Sea, saying, and he goes on and he talks about what he was saying, repent for the Lord, the, the judgment that the Lord is at hand. One of the things we have to understand about this is that John was a leader. He was someone that was preaching in the wilderness. The wilderness represents preaching in an unfruit-filled place. He was somebody that took the call of God, went into an area, and he produced fruit where there should not have been fruit. He proclaimed, the word proclaim means he published. He means he went into unsanctioned, unlicensed, unofficial spaces and he produced something. Verse number four out of the scripture tells us the description of what he looked like. It says he wore a leather belt around his waist and, he, and, and the clothes of an outcast, if you will. He looked like a rebel, which means he was a man that was unencumbered by the normative values of the dominant culture or society. John was a leader among men. We understand this is also the case with Peter, that the Bible says that when Jesus finds Peter, Peter is not destitute. He's not broke. He's a businessman. And the reason why the first encounter that Jesus has with Peter is one of payment is because Jesus used his boat to preach. And after he got done preaching, he told Peter, cast out into the deep, and we're going to have payment for my usage of your space. In other words, Jesus leased the boat and then he paid for the boat with abundance. Peter was a businessman. He was a leader among men. So much so that when Peter's increase happened because of the word of Jesus, he called for the other disciples, the other at the time, the other men to come with the other ships. And so that they could be filled, the boats could be filled with the abundance supply that they had. So they had to be other boats. They had to be an organization. Peter was a leader just like John. They both were people of influence and inspiration. The second thing that we see about both of these men is they were bold and passionate. They had bold and passionate convictions. Bold and passionate convictions. Verse number three out of Matthew's chapter three says that Peter, uh, that John went about, he says, repent, change your mind or change your thinking for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He didn't say this quietly. He was bold about it. His boldness is also what ended him or landed him in jail because he spoke truth to power. The king of that day said, no, nah, what we're not going to have is you speaking about what's going on in my private chambers. Jail that man. He was bold and he had passion. You remember Peter, he was so bold. He said, Lord, I die for you. If nobody else will, I would. Later on, at, after the, uh, the Last Supper, we see that Peter is the one that's cutting off ears. They're coming to get my Lord and Savior. Peter pulls out his knife and cuts off the ones that are, in fact, looking to attack as he would see it, Jesus. They were bold and had passionate convictions. The third thing that we see about Peter and John is that they had unique encounters of revelation. Unique encounters of revelation knowledge. John is the one that baptized Jesus and saw the spirit of God come down as a dove and remain on Jesus. 
He even testifies in John chapter 1 and verse 32. He says, I bear record to the fact that I saw this. Verse 34 says, I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. In other words, he saw a revelation of who Jesus was. We understand this exactly the same thing in regards to Peter. Peter over in Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus is asking, who do men say that I am? Peter speaks up and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood did not show this or reveal this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. Peter is unique, just like John, because they both had revelation knowledge about who Jesus is. They both had revelation knowledge about who Jesus is. Number four. <laughs> Number four. The uniqueness about Peter and John is that they both denied him. They both denied Jesus. One of them said, all right, if he be the son of God or, or not, where are we to expect another? John and Peter's denial of Jesus is, dare I say, a denial of truth. It's a denial of truth. Well, the word deny literally means to refuse to admit the truth. It means to declare that something is untrue. It means to refuse to accept the existence of truth or the validity of. Both John and Peter experienced this area of apostasy where they refute what they already knew. John's denial of truth was based on the pressure of circumstance or an unmet expectation. The pressure of a situation, the pressure of an event, the pressure of an incident, the pressure of a condition caused John to say, uh, 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 y'all go down to Jesus and find out is he the one or not. We see that Peter was at the fire, as I indicated earlier, and he was being pressed while he was questioning what was going on. He was pressed. With, we saw you. You were with the Lord. He said, I wasn't with him. You, you were with Jesus. Yeah, you were. We saw you down there at the grave. I wasn't with him. You were with him. You didn't. Little, little by little, Peter rouses up and he said, blankety blank, I wasn't with him. The pressure of truth that ended up in a denial came about because of social pressures doing a perceived failure. It is the social pressure that happened where he had a confusion with God. And it resulted in his denying Jesus or resulted in his denying of the truth. So we see the next element, the denial of truth. And the fifth one we've said is that it is the denial always becomes public. The analogy of apostasy looks like this. Your enemy takes people of influence that are bold and passionate with unique encounters of revelation knowledge and places them in positions where they will deny truth. Those denials, therefore, become public as you openly criticize your faith. This is what the this is what it looks like when people have left the faith. The devil always takes people of leadership, people of influence. They have boldness and a passion. They know God or they knew him until they came across an issue. And they places them in positions where they will deny the truth. They'll deny what they knew because of the questioning. And this denial becomes public. 
it always becomes public. Because the biggest thing, and let me say this in close, there are certain things that we should know in regards to this. There are certain things we need to know about this area of apostasy. That is a result of disillusionment or disappointment. As a result of the root issue of offense, which keeps you from receiving from God. There are certain things that we should know and understand. Number one, that the bolder you are, the more you have opportunities to be offended. The more confident, the more courageous, the more resolute. The more you tell folks about Jesus and tell them that, you know, you are, you are our believer, the more opportunities are going to show up in your life for you to be offended with God. That is going to happen. John and Peter should have known this. The more that the devil begins to recognize that, yeah, you are a leader, aren't you? You have influence. You have the capacity to influence other people. You have the capacity to actually influence their lives and influence their decisions. He says, the more this happens, the more bolder you are, the more you will have opportunities to be offended. And this is something you should know. The second thing you should know is that Satan's greatest pleasure is stealing your faith. Distinctly, stealing your hope. His greatest pleasure is stealing your hope. And that's the reason why, at times, Christians struggle in this area of despair. It's because they haven't uprooted the area of disappointment. And when you don't uproot the area of disappointment, and it's a root of offense, then what happens is, little by little, you'll begin to move into an area of apostasy, where you've walked away from hope. Third thing that we should know is that your offense with God will always become public. John said, y'all go down there. So in other words, he didn't keep it to himself. He said, no, I want to spread the news that I have doubts about the Messiah. I, 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 y'all go down there and talk to Jesus because I'm sitting in jail. I'm not supposed to be in jail. So even though I know he is the Messiah, I want you to publicly go ask Jesus something because it always becomes public. When you have a disappointment and you allow it to grow on the inside of you, it will always become public. When you have walked away from hope, when you've walked or abandoned belief, the devil will always make sure you're on public display. Peter was in the midst of, uh, of trying to figure out some stuff. Next thing you know, everybody sees that Peter has walked away from faith. You think it was going to be private, but it's never intended to be private. It is always intended to become something that is public. Last scripture, Matthew, 6, Matthew 11, verse number 6, out of the classic amplified version of the Bible. Matthew chapter 11, verse 6. The scripture says this, And blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied is he who, notice he says, takes no offense at me and finds no cause for stumbling in or through me is not hindered from seeing the truth. Let's look at this. He says, the one that does not take offense in me, he says that one is blessed, which means he's happy, he's fortunate, and he's to be envied. The one that does not take offense in me finds no cause for stumbling in me through offense. He says they are not hindered from seeing truth. 
When I take offense with God, it hinders me from being able to see the truth. And this is what happens with the believer. The devil gets you in a position where, yeah, you are disappointed. And if you don't deal with that disappointment correctly, it will keep you from receiving from God. It will keep you from seeing the truth. I feel like every time I get to this, it's a little bit of a shameless plug. That's why I wrote this book on disappointment. <laughs> because it is how to overcome disappointment. There are certain elements we got to understand about how to overcome disappointments. First thing is you can't be religious. You got to be honest with God. God, I was disappointed. I thought this was going to happen, but that manifested. And the more open you are with God, God can begin to minister to you how how this area didn't need to happen here. This area needed to happen then. This area needed to happen then. Certain things so that your heart can begin to heal. Your spiritual perception, which is how you see, and your spiritual reception, how you receive, is fragmented when you have areas of offense that take place within your life. Let's pray. Hello, I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Training Center Church located here in Gastonia, North Carolina at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Suite B. If you're joining us and this is your first time, we'd like to take this time to say thank you. If you're new to our area or if you're looking for a church home, we currently have our services on Thursday evening at 645 and 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. We'd like to invite you and your family and even a friend to join us live here in person where we have worship every Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Give thanks and be blessed. I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. On behalf of our pastor, Pastor A.C. Smith, we love you and thank you so very much.